what would it look like to be healers? What would it look like to be people who heal some of those divisions and those wounds that rip our country and our church apart? What would it look like to live in the simplest acts, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, love and action? From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's Podcast Sunday Series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. When a builder wants to construct a new home, they use a set of drawings, tools, materials, and equipment to complete the work. Today, we are called to build a heavenly home here on earth. The tools we use for this type of construction include mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, and love in action. Today, Father Pat McGrath asks us to reflect on how our individual efforts and labor of love can help build God's kingdom, one act of kindness at a time. Jesus addresses the chief priests and the elders. It's important to note that's who he directs this parable to. And as soon as he would have begun this story and as he begins to lay out some of the details of the parable that he's constructing for them, those chief priests and elders certainly would have heard echoes of Isaiah's description of the vineyard that we heard in the first reading. The similar parallel story, and yet these two stories are a little bit different, and what Jesus is going to do in telling his own parable of the vineyard Well, it's very relevant for us. But Matthew wants us to understand that he's directing it to the leaders, to the chief priests and the elders, to the ones who, for better or worse, have been entrusted with the leadership of the tradition, the gatekeepers, if you will, the tenants in the story. And the broad strokes of Jesus' story are these. God creates everything. And God creates this landowner, creates the vineyard. And the purpose of a vineyard is to produce good fruit, or in this case, to make great wine, because we're told he puts the wine press in the center of the vineyard. The point of it all is that fruit will be bountiful, that it'll be useful, that it will do what we want it to do for us. And so the owner, God here, goes to great lengths to create the best possible space for the vineyard. Notice, God works. God labors. God is in creating this vineyard, doing the work necessary to create a vineyard that can be, in fact, a productive, healthy vineyard. And then he leases it out, Jesus says. He turns it over to tenants, as a landowner might. Now, that's the chief priests and the elders, but it's you too and me as well. It's all of us. It's, it's meant, it seems, this, this story to be understood in the aggregate about the church, but it's intended for each of us as the members of the church, the members of the faith. And for whatever reason, these tenants refuse to do the work of making the vineyard productive. Jesus goes into no detail about what they do or don't do that makes them lousy tenants. He just makes it very clear they don't do the work necessary. They don't produce the fruit when the landowner comes back for it. They're not good tenants, Jesus says. They're not, they're not working with God. They're not working with the owner in what the owner has invited them to do. And so, Jesus says, they will be thrown out of the vineyard. 
Now, in Isaiah's story, there is, of course, this sensibility that gets amplified by Jesus here, that over the ages, God has sent the prophets, God has sent messengers, and now God has even sent God's own son into this world so that people might actually respond genuinely to the work, to the labor of the vineyard. And yet, Jesus wants to say, they're going to kill the son. They're going to kill the heir. A few things to note. First, the work of the kingdom, the vineyard, the work of the kingdom is real work. It's labor. It's an invitation to do the daily labor, to co-labor, collaborate with God in producing the fruit of the kingdom. And so, not just the chief priests and the elders, but all of them and all of us should hear that as a mandate, an invitation. Are you doing the work of the kingdom? Now, Matthew is writing his gospel for some early Christian communities who are struggling to figure out what it looks like to actually be the church. They're trying to figure out what it actually looks like to be followers of Jesus. They find themselves in this place where that loosely constructed band of followers of Jesus is slowly emerging into something that we might today call church. A very wonderful theologian famously said that Jesus preached the kingdom of God and we got the church instead. That, that understanding that as people come together on fire for the faith, loving Jesus and wanting to follow him, they nonetheless stumble and struggle to take practical steps of what I ought to do today because I believe in Jesus. What difference does it make that I've met Jesus? What difference does it make that his image, his vision, his promise of this reign of God, this kingdom of God, somehow seized my imagination and spoke so deeply to me that I've given things up to follow him? And so that first community, here Matthew's community, filled primarily of Jews who have now converted or have turned to the message of the way of Jesus' preaching and the community that follows him, but they must have been stumbling. They must have been failing in some way. They must have been limping along in the work of the kingdom. And so Matthew puts this story at the center of his gospel as a charge that's intended to evoke the Old Testament cry of Isaiah in the contemporary experience of Matthew's community. And this gospel is pointed at us. Us, we who are those followers of Jesus, we whose imaginations have been seized by this image of the kingdom of God, we who have heard the call of Jesus and have recognized, have recognized that something resonates deep inside of us at the sound of his voice, that the promise of the kingdom, that the vision of something more and something different, it's so deeply true that it moves us, it changes us, it challenges us. And yet, and yet, what's the state of things, this vineyard? Jesus speaks to the chief priests and elders still today, to the leaders of our church, 
to those who lead, not just with official titles, but all of us who lead in the life of this church, of what we want it to be and where we are headed. This community that seeks to be more a fellowship of those seized by the vision of the reign of God and less than a bureaucracy or a big giant machine. And this gospel comes to us today and asks the question, what's the state, what's the health of the vineyard? And what's the health of the laborers, us? It's an invitation to a real reflection, it seems to me, personally and communally. Certainly the synod going on in Rome these days is some effort, some exercise in the collective, in the communal experience of church to pause and to listen and to wonder how we're doing in the mission and the call of Jesus. And it's a personal question, too. How am I doing in my daily life in the invitation to actually labor with Jesus? It's not simply an intellectual assent that marks our faith. In fact, it's not that at all. It's about what we do with the hours in our day. It's about who we're becoming because of the things we do or fail to do. And so how are we doing? Francis, Pope Francis, long before he was Pope Francis, when he was Cardinal Bergoglio, spoke many, many times and has continued to speak as the Holy Father about what his diagnosis of the state of the vineyard is today. And the image that he uses is that this is a church with a spiritual sickness that we have gotten to a place of spiritual ill health because like those tenants that Jesus speaks of, we've forgotten what the mission is or we failed to recognize what the call of Jesus is inviting of each of us individually and collectively as church, this body of Christ. See, Francis's diagnosis is this. We've become self-referential and we've closed in on ourselves that the church has become self-referential and we speak to each other in an echo chamber, failing to remember, Francis says, that we are a missionary church, that the purpose of the church is to go out. It is to go out to the margins, as he likes to say. It is to go to evangelize, to make of our lives the proclamation of the gospel. Not perfectly. We're loved sinners. We're flawed, imperfect human beings but called nonetheless to live the work of the kingdom. And so lest we come to this 27th Sunday in ordinary time and hear that gospel and nod our heads and think, ah, yes, Jesus is condemning those who fail to receive him back in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. It's actually a more updated invitation. And it's for us as invitation to reflection. It's for us to wonder how we've embodied the mercy that God seeks to share with this world. It speaks to us and asks the question if we have been people of reconciliation or we've simply been a part of the vitriol, the division of where we find ourselves today. It seems to me it comes as an invitation to ask ourselves what would it look like to be healers What would it look like to be people who heal some of those divisions and those wounds that rip our country and our church apart? 
What would it look like to live in the simplest acts? Mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, love and action. And so the vineyard's still out there. It's the streets of Chicago. It's our workplaces. It's our families. It's the margins. It's the immigrants. It's the homeless. It's those who are left behind or feel forgotten. This is the vineyard. And the invitation is to co-labor with the one who builds and sustains it all, inspired by the vision of that something more that always settles in our soul and draws us to some action. To reflect this night, God, what are you asking of me today to live this labor, this labor of love with your son to build this kingdom? now for announcements and events. Discover the power of effective listening, a skill often overlooked but deeply valued. Join us as Dr. John Igwebuke delves into the art of listening, fostering inclusion, belonging, and interpersonal justice. Don't miss this opportunity to listen during our next At the Crossroads Speaker and Discussion Series on Wednesday, October 18th from 7 to 8.15 p.m. Please register at oldstpats.org slash at dash the dash crossroads. Knowing how challenging it can be on a Sunday morning for families, kids, and especially those with special needs, Old St. Pat's hosts an occasional Sunday Mass for families who may need a liturgy designed specifically for them. If you or someone you know would benefit from joining our special friends' Masses, we welcome you. Please help us spread the word. Our next special friends' Mass is October 22nd at 1 p.m. outside in the courtyard. Discover the beauty of impermanence at a contemplative day of prayer on October 23rd from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. at the Morton Arboretum in Lyle. Join facilitator Al Gustafson in exploring the profound wisdom of transitions and the Paschal mystery. Step away from the daily routine and into a world of quiet, structured prayer. Breakfast and lunch are included in the $65 ticket. Secure your spot among 35 participants and inquire about scholarships by contacting alg at oldstpats.org. And October 27th will be here before you know it, so be sure to get your ticket. We'll be honoring Father Tom Hurley and the Heart of the Crossroads recipients Katie Nee Hobbs and Mike Hobbs at this year's 36th Emerald Ball. Indulge in a fantastic evening with a reception, dinner, and dancing. Don't miss this spectacular celebration. For tickets, event details, or sponsorship information, visit our website at oldstpats.org slash emeraldball. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 5 p.m. Mass on Sunday, October 8th by Father Pat McGrath. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Old St. Pat's app. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast.